You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Hey guys, it's Allie here, and I have the pleasure of announcing our guest for today's episode. Amy Ledeen is her name, and she is a mama of six. She lives down in sunny Florida and runs, she is the owner operator of a multi-million dollar health and wellness business. Um, She also has overcame so much in life. She's beat cancer. I don't even know how many times at this point, but she talks about mindset. And that's something that I think we talk about so often lately. And everybody's trying to acknowledge like being in the right mindset. So we talk about some ideas on how to stay in the right mindset. She talks about how you can really make yourself ill with the shame and guilt that you have in your body. And she just dives into, she she's an open book. And I hope you learn so much through this episode. She talks super fast, which I can appreciate because I'm the total person that's like, get to the point. And I love that. Um, Just keep up with her and have so many great takeaways from this episode. Thanks for listening to the Twisted Sisters. We are here today with a mother of six, a cancer survivor, a multi-million dollar business owner in the health and wellness field, Amy Ladine. Hi. So excited Thank to you. have and you. I said my last name right. I thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Means I did my homework. No, I'm just kidding. So I met Amy, um, I don't know, about two years. I feel like it was right before COVID hit. So we're past then. So it's been actually more than two years. And she came in, she was speaking at an event that I was at. And you just came in hot and heavy and were just your hot mess self. And I was like, oh, I love this woman. I fell instantly in love with you. So I would just love for you to kind of go into your story and kind of share everything that you've been through. And because there's a lot. And I, <laughs> I love that. No, I think that your story is so amazing because you've overcame so much. Well, I really appreciate that. And meeting you ladies that day, I was really in a, in a pretty low spot in terms of, you know, we were in a big transition with my family and I did come in hot sharing everything. And I think, you know, every time I get scared to do something that I'm reminded by a story that someone shares after I do something like that, that it's okay to share like our big mess. Cause mine is a colorful one with saying that, you know, I grew up in a small town, super religious um, family, you know, background, I'd say 95% of our town was Mormon. And I just kind of frame it that way, because I do think that our childhood really shapes, you know, who we are. Growing up, um, I didn't know really, I kind of probably obviously blocked this, but I had some sexual abuse um, in my young years. That probably led to in high school, I got pregnant. I was a senior in high school. I had everything going for me. I was student body president. I had scholarships waiting for me. And, you know, this is 25 years, 26 years ago. Like, you know, it was really, you didn't have a place at a college. You could really take a child or whatever. My parents were super supportive, but I had decided to place um, my baby for adoption, not really knowing that I was in a very emotionally immature family. I say that no judgment. I'm also an emotionally immature person because you are modeled that. And so we never spoke about it again. It literally, like I left the hospital, I came home and it was as if nothing happened in our family. And I didn't really process that through that though. One of my, um, I'm a high achiever. I'm someone that I think I obviously got a lot of praise as a kid through my achievement. So when I was in pain, I immediately went into achieving and I became one of the youngest um, directors of gallery for Tiffany and company, you know, I was 19 years old working as their head, you know, I was like the manager of a boutique 
And it was just, you know, because I was always constantly trying to, you know, work hard through that, not really healing myself. I got married really young, like a year after I had that baby. So like, I'm like 19 years old, got married, not to the same father. And we were married for 15 years, still never really dealing or addressing anything. I'll get into my weight loss story, but I'll kind of tie that in. But through that, um, I had an affair. I had a really horrible marriage ending. You couldn't ask for a worst case scenario. I mean, we had sex one time and I got pregnant and I had two kids at home and he had two kids with his wife. And this was, you know, devastating, something that I swore I would never do. I watched my father have an affair and crazy enough, my current husband, he watched his dad have an affair. And I share this because I really don't like when people say never say never, because you just, you know, you don't know. You know, I didn't think I'd ever do something like that. I also, you know, was a really, really broken person. And so if you ever do know someone that is, goes through that, I can promise you they hate themselves more than maybe you are even attacking them yourself. Yeah. I hated myself. You know, I became, I, I drank through that just to kind of cope, you know, um, but rewinding through my childhood, I think I got an emotional affair with food. I, it was my comfort, you know, probably some of that sexual abuse, but also cause I was a very chubby kid. My nickname was piglet. My four brothers were sticks and I was the chubby one. And if you've ever seen that move, that show, I think it's like all of us, or, you know, it's the family dynamic where they have the really heavy sister. I yes. watched that show and it was like eye-opening because that was my childhood. My brothers had a different diet than I did. And, and it wasn't like my, you know, I look back, your parents do the best they can with what they know how. And <laughs> we just said I that today. That, <laughs> right? We literally just said that like 10 minutes ago <laughs> to each other. I have to say it like, I need the tattoo, All the time. so I'm not triggered. <laughs> and for myself, I'm like, I'm doing the best I can with what I know how. <laughs> I literally just That's screamed it. at my child and was like, we are doing a podcast, go outside and play. And then I'm like, you know, the mom guilt sets in like, oh, uh, totally. and I'm like, you, well, you should have so, been listening though too. Okay. <laughs> it's so true. So I have, that's like my mantra. They did the best they could with what they knew how. And so I started to hide food, you know, like I didn't want to be judged for it. And so, you know, fast forward in my twenties, I was already 230 pounds. So unhappy, you know, I had babies young and, um, my discipline and my hard achieving kind of came as my, you know, things can work good for you or bad, right? This was a good in that I just, I signed up for Weight Watchers and I lost 90 pounds over about a year and a half. But I did it in a way where I didn't like myself. And when you hate your way into results, it's not lasting. You may keep it for a while. And so what I did was, so here I'd lost this weight and I just did not want to go back to the old person. But because I didn't do it in a way of showing myself love, I was willing to restrict. I was willing to binge. I was willing to try diet pills. I was willing to eat things that I knew were just not healthy. You know, And, and I share that because for many years as a coach, people didn't see on the inside what I was tormented by on the outside. I looked like I was in shape and doing good, but on the inside, I really struggled with my food relationship. So I used that, you know, when I lost my weight, I just was going to a a gym where I taught, I first was taking the classes. Then I started teaching the classes. I became a personal trainer through it. And then fast forward, I was at a place where I'd already had, I was at my goal for about 10 years and I just, I mean, I was struggling. I'm like, I'm doing two hours of cardio a day. I'm freaking eating what looks like dog food. And if I even eat a crumble more, I'm gaining and I don't know what to do. So I started doing some searching online before we had Facebook and there were forums back in the day. And my now husband was a moderator on the Oxygen Magazine forums. And he went against the grain. He was not a person that was doing lots of cardio with his clients and he was making them eat more. And so I got way interested in that. And through that, um, they call that reverse dieting, right? Yes. Like reverse dieting. Exactly. And I'd never, you know, when I, I applied for, um, a, position, you know, working with him. He's like, how long have you been dieting? I said, 11 years. <laughs> he's like, yeah. what? <laughs> I'm like, can't say I've always been successful, but 11 years of just really trying. And so he immediately took me out of a deficit and I gained a few pounds and I was like already wanting to like pull away from it. But thankfully he was a pretty aggressive coach. And he's like, either you, you trust me or you don't, but what you're doing isn't working for you. So 
you should, you owe it to yourself to try. And so sure, I went up at first, came back down. And then through that, I was already coaching like personal training. And he came to me and he's like, listen, I've always worked with competitors. I like that you come from the other side, that you are like, you're all about the mindset. And you understand that if I just give you a meal plan, you can't survive. Like you need flexibility. Because when he gave me my first diet, I go, uh, can I, can I alternate? He's like, I want you to follow this for, you know, the next month. And then when we check in and I'm like, I have food issues because I've had years of dieting. I can't do this. So he's like, well, I'll let you start blogging for me. And, you know, through this, this is why you don't become friends with the opposite sex, because through this, you know, we ended up having our affair. I ended up just, we were best friends and I helped him with his business and he ended up helping launch mine and gave me, you know, as friends, he gave me an opportunity. He said, listen, I won't bring you on my brand, but if you want to start your own brand, I will give you referrals. I will give you your first 10 clients. But what you do from that point on is up to you. And so I took my brand, um, gosh, it's been, you know, 13 years, but from zero to half a million within a year. Um, I scaled with, you know, a team and, you know, what it taught me is if you add a lot of value, because I had been adding value for years to my community, because I had a cookbook and all I had was a blog and a cookbook and I would just share recipes all the time. So it was great that when I finally, you know, wanted to launch this brand, I had a lot of the like, know, and trust, you know, kind of around me. And so I, I dug into that, but again, not really dealing with the affair. I mean, at that point now having that affair, I will say, so we were friends, we were very known online as friends. And I think both of our spouses, if we look back, I mean, I have a whole podcast on this, like I've even interviewed my ex, like, you know, they were in denial. And I think it's really important to be able to kind of stand up for yourself. I don't think his wife was willing to be like, listen, you're spending too much time, you know, with this person of the opposite sex. And it's funny. It's because you guys are doing business together too, right? So that has to be hard to be like, don't make money with them. And it's an emotional thing on top of that. Yep. Yep. And so it was, you know, I'm sure that his wife at times was like, well, I don't want to like be insecure and question something when we're doing business together. But I think that, you know, having some rules and some just uh, guardrails around your marriage is super important because you know what it's, it started out innocent. We would kind of vent to each other about our frustrations. And then, you know, I would give him validation, not knowing her side of the story. He would give me validation, not knowing what's going on in my home. And suddenly you feel like you're in the best relationship. Right. And I share it because I'll tell you, our marriage has been hard. It has been very hard and I, I don't regret it. But what I do tell people when they reach out to me, maybe they've had an affairs. I'm always like, First, try to work it out because I know you think that this might be an unforgivable thing, but if you've got a lot of history and a lot that you're willing to put in the work, because I was a very emotionally immature person. I had done no therapy yet up to that point, really. And if I look back now, I could have made it work. You know, I could have, you know, and you're no longer investing your emotional, you know, you're not investing in each other. Right. So you're not going to him with your problems and allowing him to like be masculine and help you fix that. Or, you know, like those roles are just shifting. I listened to that episode and he had some stuff. Your ex-husband had some stuff that he was dealing with on top of it. too. Yeah. 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 He had a back surgery. Yep. Really, really depressed us not, you know, and, and I think that's what I always share with people. I'm like the best book to read is how to deal with emotionally immature parents. My, it, you know, holistic psychologist, Nicola Para, if you know her on Instagram, she had shared that book and she was, listen, this is going to trigger you because not only are you going to see your parents in it, you're going to see you, you're going to see your childish behaviors with your children. You're going to see that you, you know, and, and that was, like really hard for me. I realized, oh my gosh, like I really don't know how to handle like conversations. I don't even know how to have a relationship. Truly. I'm still just like seven-year-old Amy inside looking for love, you know, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Validation. And so through that, I did try to work it out. Me and my husband did try for the sake of just our kids, even though we had a baby involved. Can I we ask like, like, what that looked like? Like, what did that look oh like? My gosh. So, you know, because people always say we tried to work it out, or you know, and it's such a broad kind of spectrum. But like, how do you, how do you, where do you even begin to start with that? I was, I mean, I was blessed that my ex husband is like a saint, and that one when we told my kids that I was, you know, I had a 
11 year old and nine year old. So they're going to kind of understand. And so not only are mom and daddy separating, mommy's pregnant and it's not with my baby. And yeah. so my, my daughter trying to even just understand that, but my husband at the time was really selfless. And he saw that I love my kids. He mm. knows that this mistake should have nothing to do with my kids. So he actually took it upon himself to tell the kids, you know, all of us together about me being pregnant. And he defended me. Like he said, listen, I could cry. You're, you know, which was insane. And he yeah. said, I am not doing this necessarily for you. I am doing this for our kids because they love you. And I know that the way I portray this today could change everything in your mm-hmm. life. And so I was really, really thankful that he just was the bigger person. We did try counseling. I think through the counseling is when we realized our problems were much bigger. And that was where we as friends, like we did try and we were walking through everything, but it was like, when you have an affair, I think one of the first things you need to do is you have to cut off that other relationship permanently. Or when you have a child involved, how does that happen? Well, right. That's a and daily so daily reminder, right? Like every day you're pregnant it. and it's right there yep. in front of you. Like, yep. Did you have a hard time attaching to the baby for that? I did. So I, and I've had a lot of guilt as she, you know, as I've just learned about the power of your womb, I denied that pregnancy for as long yeah. as I could. And I think because I'd gotten pregnant in high school, it was bringing back those oh, same triggers and emotions, which is probably what we'll, we'll talk mm. about leading to my cancer, because that was like just what lit the fuel of years and years of shame. I mean, when I got pregnant with Leilani, the thoughts that I had in my head about myself, and I share them with people because I know that other people think this way, but I was like, I mean, because am I allowed to cuss? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I do okay. all the time. <laughs> um, because my, 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 you know, my inner bitch, she's mean and inner yeah. bitches, she just swears. And she's like, you are just a fucking loser. Like, what yeah. is your problem? Why can't you get your shit together? Why do you know? And it's just, you know, and you can't go back in time and you're just, you know, sitting in so much regret and just, I mean, I just felt Shame. like I was the worthless person and well, I, think- I know I mean, and I, Go ahead. No, I just, I listened to your adoption story this morning and I was just bawling for you because of the fact of how the church really shamed you and you didn't get to go to that college. And he, the, the dad of the baby got to go to that college. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was just with you. And it's like the scarlet letter, right? It shows. I know that. Yeah. It's like coming again. And now I will say, I mean, my ex-husband, I mean, Kevin, it was great. He actually really protected me from a lot of that publicly with friends. There were people that just kind of assumed it was his, if they had ever saw me out and he just let it be because he was also dealing with his own shame. I didn't realize until we did our interview together that he felt like the failure that, Mm. you know, like the person that is cheated on, they feel like embarrassed like they don't like, I know Eric's ex-wife, he didn't, she didn't tell her parents for months. And it was because she just felt like she didn't do her part. And that's not right either. Right. Like I'd said to my ex, I was so sad that for years he said, you know, Amy, as a military guy, it was always the joke when you were out to see or deployed that you might come home and your wife would have left you. He goes, for me, it came true. And I just, it really broke my heart that for so long he blamed himself where I'm like, man, this, my affair was just a symptom to a much bigger problem within me. It had nothing to do with you. It was me not being good enough with what you were even giving me because I was so starved for that probably my entire childhood. Right. That's incredible though, to be able to reach deep. And I think so many times these situations happens and divorces happen. It's all just the surface things, right? Like you react to the things going on instead of being like, Oh no, 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 no. This is so much more. Yep. So much more. Yep. Well, and my cancer. So here I am. I've finally dealt with the affair. We really are getting along well in terms of like my ex, like we do family vacations together. We'd just gotten, um, actually, no, we were, so we were separated and stuff, but we, um, I was just engaged to, um, Eric, we had decided that we were going to try to, Hey, we have a baby together. Let's see if this can work, you know, cause he lived in Canada and I was in Virginia and, um, I'd had just no real symptoms other than I had a little bit of rectal bleeding and I thought it was just cause of having a baby. And, you know, I didn't know I was going to go in for my annual. So it'd been one year since I'd had Leilani. And uh, they found um, some polyps, did more testing, 
and found a huge tumor in my colon and I had emergency surgery that day. What they should have done is they should have tested it and found out that I didn't have colon cancer. I actually had non-small cell lung cancer that had spread to my colon. Now that took me on a journey from there. I started searching out like stage four non-small cell lung cancer. And I found that I found a Joe Dispenza video, first of all, the oh, first I thing I Joe found. Oh, I love Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Yes. And it was all about this cancer patient, just like me that had healed herself. And yeah. I'm like, what the heck is this? So yeah. from there, I will say that's when I really got on my personal development journey that I realized I don't need to shame myself for this happening, but I do need to be aware that my continued shame and guilt and all of these emotions can actually manifest in illness. And that was, you know, at first, I mean, people thought I was crazy when I would say this, but I have seen so many people go through even just as simple as the forgiveness process, like forgiving someone or forgiving themselves and their autoimmune issues Mm. go away. And I used to be like, yeah. are you kidding me? Who is trying to sell you this crap? Give me some medication. I do. And I, now I am like, woo woo. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things in his book, I mean, it was so simple, but it was just like, if you can, like, we've all thought ourselves into being sick, right? Like, right. you know, yes. like, or you were young and you called in and you're like, I'm sick. And then also the next day you're sick and you're like, damn it. You know, <laughs> yes. um, but just as much as you can, like think yourself into anxiety and sickness, you can think yourself into healing and like your mind is just powerful. It's like, of course, of course, if you can go one way, of course you can go the other way, but we don't think about it that way. So that's kind of where, you know, my journey started. I started, I'd never really been a part of personal development. I listened to Ed Milet was one of my first ones with Uh, Tony Robbins fell in love immediately. I mean, I even like that day on my way to chemo, I was like, I am going to someday you know, me at my let, which I did, he ended up on my podcast. So oh my gosh. Seen, oh yeah. I've seen crazy things happen. But through that, I realized that if you don't deal with this inner work, you don't do this inner game, you actually will continue to sabotage. Cause even though at this point we were a seven figure business and doing well, but we were trying to take it to the next level. And I would find myself just sabotaging and I couldn't figure it out. And so this is kind of where what, did what sabotaging I taught you guys. look like for you. If I, um, you don't mind me asking. Well, in many different ways. So I kind of see it like this. If we close our eyes, we envision what we what we're aligned to. So you might visualize like this body chiseled out. Someone else might not, you know. You might envision this big mansion that you live in and you're doing certain things. My what I see is when we're not living in alignment with ourselves we tend to sabotage the areas that we want to be aligned to the most. So hear me out. So my sabotage will come in the form of, I usually will cheat on my diet because I know deep down it matters to me. I will break my daily promises because now I keep a daily agreement card. I will like that first place, Amy, you know, negative Amy will go squash. And it's like, I even know that it matters to me, but this is where this unworthiness and shame comes in. If we are still dealing with unworthiness and shame, we feel unconsciously unworthy to show up as our best self. And you will sabotage that area, like 100%. Like, because it's crazy. It's like the things that matter to you the most, you'll be like, I'll show you. You're not going to show up for that today. And it's (laughs) stupid stuff. Sometimes it's like the dumbest thing. Like I'm not even tempted to go eat a bunch of garbage. But if I'm feeling very unworthy, like I had a really bad argument last year with my 19 year old, we don't usually fight. And, you know, I was just, I felt helpless because I've moved my kids down here. And so it was one of those fights where I just felt like a piece of crap mom. Right. And so we were, we'd had that conversation that morning, that afternoon, I kid you not, I was sitting there like driving through looking for the most garbage related food. And I, I had to, I paused, I ended up going live on Facebook because I had actually seen what was going on. I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to sabotage myself because I'm feeling unworthy to show up. And so it kind of ties back to what I said at the beginning. If you, if you are disliking yourself or hating your way into a goal, you won't keep it. You have to reverse it and go, listen, because I love myself so much, I'm going to meal prep this week because I love myself so much. I'm going to do my morning routine, you know, because we can grunt our way. Like I said, short term, but you will cut the corners. You'll be the person that goes to the gym and, just kind of checks the boxes, right? Whereas when I'm really loving myself, I'm like, I am here to take care of myself. I'm not cutting corners. 
I, I, I love myself or when I'm getting ready to meal prep, you know, I make sure that I'm telling myself this is because this is the ultimate form of self-love, Amy. It is not driving through and, you know, feeding myself garbage. And that was a really big shift for me and kind of why I've taught so much on keeping daily promises because it is how you do the littlest thing is how you're going to do everything. And I, I mean, I teach my kids. I'm like, if you're going to cut the corner on this, when, when you're really up against like a deadline and it's like, you know, the finals, this is the final play. Are you going to show up or not? And I wasn't. And that is why our business kept like, you know, we do well and we were staying here, but I had bigger goals. And so when I was out, I was out of alignment. I knew I wanted, you know, we had a goal of 2.3 million a year. I mean, I'll just share it with you because I had this on my, you know, it was like on my daily on my phone. I had it printed. I wrote out my goals and for the life of us, you know, we just, and it would be crazy stuff. We'd have like maybe one of our team members would quit or, you know, because you can do it indirectly, right? There can be sabotage because you're just not believing you'll get there. And so I just started one night where I was just tired of the inner bitch yelling at me as I got in bed. You know, we all know this as moms, especially it's like you lay in bed and it's like, you're reminded of all the crap you didn't do. You didn't tuck. Wow. Amy, you did like a two minute tuck in. You didn't have time to do better than that. And then our best self shows up right after inner bitch, like kind of bitches is out. And that's when we're, we're, we're thinking of ourselves in our highest potential. And our brains are built this way because if we are looking into the future, like at least the next day, you will always see yourself as doing way more. And so what I did was I just wrote down on like an index card that night, like three things that were really nagging at me. One of it was I needed to do my Nexus card, which for travel. And it just, again, it was just one of those things like on my list. The other was a behavior, which was just do a a longer tuck in with your kids. And the other one was no snooze. And I just, all I said to myself was all you have to do tomorrow, Amy, is just this, like nothing else. As entrepreneurs, we have so many things on our list, but this is it. That's it. So that's what I did. And from there, I built a whole strategy where now I follow four agreements every single day. I'm on, let's see, today I've got 994 wins and 190 losses. So I share that because I've had a lot of losses over this last three and a half years. But every day I create a behavior agreement, an activity agreement, a nutrition agreement, and a growth agreement. It stands for bang. So I bang out a DAC, which is my daily agreement card. They can be any promise that you want to keep to yourself. But what I have seen with my clients, and I'm a fat loss coach. So like, I'm not even like in the personal development space, but what they learn is if you can learn to keep these types of promises to yourself, then you're going to be able to master like fat loss. Because I always tell, listen, if you can't keep the simple promise of like waking up, how the heck are you going to deal with hunger, the mindset around food, all of that that comes with it if you can't keep these small ones. And so at first I started to talk myself out of clients. I'd tell them, no, you need to go do my little $21 DAC bootcamp <laughs> because I would much rather you do that than come invest $500 a month to really have me in your corner because I don't want to waste time needing to just teach you to like keep promises. I'll do it, but I want to be here to help you with like the strategies. And from there, it's, I mean, it's just, it's changed my life completely because I am now truly confident because I know I keep my word. I know who I am. It's why I'm able to share my affair because I know that that girl is long gone. And I know that, you know, I have changed because I keep my personal integrity, someone that cheats, someone that has affairs, they have no personal integrity. They have no value even in themselves. Whereas now my word to myself is so much more important than my word to everyone else. Because if I can't keep that, then how am I going to keep my promises to other people, right? If I can't fill my cup up full, how am I then flowing into every other person? Yeah, that's deep. No, I love that. Well, I think it's hard as a mom too, like you, or just as a woman, I think it's, you are taught that it's selfish to like think about yourself, to put yourself at first like that. Um, it's a, it's definitely a mindset change. Like I've been in that. And so it's like, 
nope, this is going to benefit everybody else. If I get up this morning and take care of this, like changing that mindset. But instead you think that once I get all the kids together and get them up to school, and then once I get to work and then take care of that, then I can go take care of myself. And then that never works because usually the day goes to shit and all of a sudden one kid's sick. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're picking up three projects at work or whatever it is. And it's like, nope, you have to take that time. And it's true. It's so true, but it's hard to change. It, it is. And I think this is where like having people like you in their corner, like I always tell people, you got to find like-minded people. So first and foremost, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, yeah, but I mean, my friends aren't really supportive and they make me feel really guilty for wanting to do things. Okay. I'm not saying you got to leave your friends, but you need to find a high vibing circle that is really not just cheering you on, but kind of pushing you to do better for yourself. Like I try to find friends that are a step ahead of me in a lot of ways, because I, it will push me to be like, well, if they're doing it, you know, I can do it too. So it's like finding those like-minded people and, you know, investing in things like masterminds. I mean, I have built most of my friendships through masterminds or through events that have been personal development related, because I know that that person is invested in just becoming a better them. Right. right? That's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good way to look at that. Cause I feel like sometimes like I join a lot of those masterminds too. And I have to remind myself sometimes it's like, you're taking away one thing from this mastermind yes. and you're meeting amazing people through these masterminds. Cause sometimes I'm like, well, that wasn't worth it. But then it's like that mindset thing where it's like, all right, girl, stop living in that, that way. And totally. just know, mm-hmm. Well, we, we invested, um, you know, my husband and I, we were in Ed Milet and Andy Frazella's, you know, Arte Syndicate the first year. It was $100,000, 50000 each for a year, wow. right? And when we got, and I will say, it's not like I came away with some rocket science way to build my business at all. In fact, I don't know if there was anything really new, new that I learned, but they told us the first meeting, it is going to be your environment is what changes you the most. And that means your friendships, your surroundings and the people that, you know, you associate with. And it changed my life. You know, from there, I just, I I gained 60 new friends that were super high achievers that we all kind of had our guard down because we knew that, Hey, you're invested too into this. So we know like we can all work together. And it was, you know, from that point, I'm like, okay, now I realize that the power of like a mastermind or an event or going to something is even if you just meet one connection, because I mean, through all of this, I mean, I got Ed Milet on my podcast through masterminds. I ended up getting a personal mentorship from John Maxwell, got lunch with him and he offered to basically, and that only happened. Why? Because I met someone right. that knew someone that knew someone that wanted to connect me. And I'm like, that was alone worth the $50,000, right? So you have to start to see it in a, in a different way, right? Not looking at money as money and looking at it as more of a time thing and who you meet through it for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With these daily agreement cards, so you do this daily um, and how do people join in on this movement with you? Well, one, they can join it for free. Like I will give you actually after this, I'll send you a link to, I have like a video playlist on YouTube where you can actually start this tomorrow. You literally just go get an index card. I think that's why I wanted to create something that you don't need to do say my, my challenge, but start by getting a card and writing it down. I do suggest at first for some people, if you have a history of of self-betrayal because that's what it is when you learn in therapy it's actually a history of self-betrayal if you've had a parent say growing up that really broke a lot of promises then you've modeled a lot of promise breaking that you don't realize that when you tell your kids you're going to do something later that that's actually a really powerful thing I had to apologize to my kids I said you know there's been many years where I've just said I'm going to do things and I want you to know that when I say I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and that took like a year of like really really pushing to say I was going to do, and then I'd do it. Like, even if like later I didn't want to just to show that. So if you have a history of self-betrayal, you just start with one, you just start with one promise, but otherwise you'll start these cards. And what I have about six times a year, I run what I call the follow through challenge. It's 21 days long. It's $21. And it's just a way for people to have a little more accountability. We have a daily thread that I start in our private Facebook group where every day I start a thread where I have my card and everyone has to post their cards. And then as the days progress, you got to post the day before and your current. So you really see if you've had a loss, like I'm a big believer in like, I'm a big supporter, but a loss is a loss. We got to, we got to learn to like take that and be 
I'm going to grow from it and not shame ourselves and not, you know, judge ourselves for it. But when I have a loss, I'm like, okay, well, this is a learning opportunity for me. I mean, I've lost a lot of days and I'm a teacher. I mean, I had a while there where I'm like, should I even be teaching this? Like I've got <laughs> 190 losses, but then I've, you know, learned from the best of the best that we all like what you see on social media. When I hear say like Ed Milet teacher, you know, he'll tell you that I'm teaching for my best self. Do I always show up this way? No, but this is what I know is best for me. And so that's where I've had to learn like, well, I may not always be perfect at it. I do know that this is what really helps women. I mean, men too, but women really gain their confidence because what they don't realize is what you think you're chasing is your happiness. Your confidence is really not it. Like I went from 230 pounds all the way down to like 116, like starving myself. I hated myself. I, I even my body because I was still hiding myself, not, you know, sometimes some fake confidence, but not the confidence that comes when a person is really aligned. I was at a water park several years ago when I was still insecure. I mean, even though I was like this size, I was wearing practically like a parka at the water park. And I saw this girl walking around. She had to be baby like a size 12, 14, but strutting her stuff like she owned the world. And I was envious because here I was this insecure, you know, like not even wanting to take my cover up off. So I ended up like getting to know her and I'm like, you just like, I want to be around you. Like you just totally own it. And she's like, listen, I may not be where I want to be yet. She goes, but I am doing everything I can every day to get there. And I'm like, that is what everyone's goal should be is even though you're not maybe where you want to be, maybe you don't, you're not making the money that you want to make. Maybe you haven't lost the weight, but it's the daily steps that make you feel like a rock star. It's like really pushing on the things that, you know, no one else can see it, but I'm like, yeah, I did that. And that is going to help me. It's just going to be a byproduct to eventually getting there. And so it's allowed me to even kind of relax a little bit on some of my financial goals. Cause I know I'll get there. I have the strategy in place. I don't need to be antsy about it anymore. I just need to keep my daily promises. Right. Living in abundance rather than scarcity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um, do you have any questions? Before yeah. So, I mean, we kind of like skipped around a little bit in your story, but you know, you kind of touched on cancer and how you, and, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember your husband's name right now. Eric. Eric. Okay. <laughs> um, so you guys, you guys decided to get married. And so how long have you guys been married now? So we've been married nine years now. And I would say the first seven even, I mean, really up until this last couple of years, we've really hit like a stride where we can, you know, because when you come from a place of both breaking, you know, you both have low personal integrity. I mean, you're having, you have an affair. So you're going to come into this new relationship with some insecurities, probably some even like lack of trusting because that other person, you know, so we have a very, very open, I mean, I can grab his phone. He can take my phone. He has my passwords. I have his, you know, um, but we've also, you know, we blended families. So blending families has been, you know, I've got two older kids that are now 20, 23 and 19, but they grew up, you know, in this household. And then Eric has a 12 year old and 11 year old, and then our 10 year olds, look how close they were. So he had really young babies. And so we've had to really learn that, that dynamic of different kids feeling different ways and trying to feel all inclusive, you know, we've got one together, but all, you know, the others are from two different, you know, two separate marriages. So it's been, you know, I always tell people like, listen, it's totally worth it. And, you know, it's worth all the work, but it's, it's hard. You know, people always think that the grass is greener on the other side of say their marriage or whatever. There's, there's much more, you know, to it. What I am thankful for is having someone that's willing to do the work. Well, we've had a lot of craziness. I mean, we were at like, (laughs) we were at a personal development conference once and we were in such a big fight in our hotel room (laughs) that security got called on us. And I'm like, we are at a personal development conference. You know, but we've come so far because if there's one thing that Eric and I do is we never quit. So we may be a hot mess and we may have like some crazy fights at times, but we never give up on constantly trying to become better versions of us. And I can't give up on someone and vice versa. That's willing to do the work. Like, you know, I've said to him, I'll never give up on you. If you won't give up on me, we are just going to do it together. And so 
I think that's just really important in general with any marriage, right? I love that you guys like do duke it out and yell and whatnot rather than just brushing it under the rug. And then it shows up later on in different ways for sure. Oh yeah. We're, 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 definitely, we're working on, I think for about a year straight, I wrote on my, cause I do, um, Nicola Paris future self journaling. And it was like, I will not overreact. I will not overreact. I will not. I will because have patience. Inner, yeah. My little inner seven-year-old self gets like insecure. And it's, yeah. it's funny when we see this play out in relationships, like when we act out, it's like, Oh, seven-year-old Amy just wasn't getting attention <laughs> and she just didn't know how to get it. Now she's, you know, being childish. And I'm able to call that out now because I really have learned to separate myself from a childhood and give myself some grace to just get better because it is embarrassing. Or you're like, man, why didn't I just say that? I've worked so hard not to overreact or lash out. And we do, right? But well, it's just... I look at your story and all I can think about is like, you had a baby, you have all these hormones, you guys just changed up your family and then you get cancer and now you're like healing and you're fighting this disease. And like, that's no easy task. You're on medications. You're not yourself. You're, I mean, like, holy moly, grab the reins and go, but like, it just sounds like, you know, you guys have, uh, have found you've learned to just flow with the river, right? Like not fight it, yep. just flow with it. And what was it like though in your illness, like maintaining that household and maintaining your work and like having your husband having him to probably take a little bit more of the load a little bit. And now you're co-parenting and you do have all these like what was that like for you? Not, I mean you know, the first couple of years, I think were a blur for me. I just was trying to, and I think that's why when I meet people that maybe their journey of fighting cancer is only a year, I don't expect them to become the superhero of their own story because I think you're just kind of in shock and just like responding. But by like year two, I'm like, if I don't learn to like deal with this and like start like asking for help, I have a hard time, you know, in the past, like asking for help. So I would just burn myself, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I'll be on the side of the road dying. I'll figure it out. Sometimes, <laughs> well, so sometimes I, think, I think it's like God gave this to me to make me learn to ask for help and be vulnerable to that in, you know, even in our marriage, one of the things that used to come up in marriage counseling is I've, my biggest probably fear in life is rejection because I didn't really get that from like my mom and dad. I mean, I'm just saying like in general. And so I would much rather belt and boot out before I feel like I'm going to be rejected by someone. And so I've had to really work to Finally, I mean, just a few years ago through like marriage counseling, I told my husband for the first time that I needed him because I was so afraid to give that power mm. to someone because I didn't then want that person to disappoint me. But what it did for our marriage was Eric wanted to feel needed. Mm. He wanted to feel that like he could take Ask care of me. Him. And from that point on in my cancer journey, he really started like the caretaking role. And that allowed me to really just be more of my feminine because I'm usually not. And it's made our marriage better too, because he didn't do well with the headbutting of that always masculine energy. Right. And I mean, he loves it in business, but he's like, man, I need like wifey. I need the, yeah. the, that, that softer. And so I think, you know, for me, it's been really just like learning to be honest with myself so that I can share that and taking some of that load away and knowing that my value doesn't always come through like my money making, because that was hard for me to let go of some of that, because I have had seasons where I've not been able to do the projects that I've really maybe wanted to. And I've just been on maintenance yeah. and, you know, being okay with that and, you know, yeah. saying, Hey, this is, you know, my journey right now is just here, but I'll have plenty of time, especially because I did take care of myself. Now I can live longer. Right. And now yeah. I can really be here to, you know, work hard. Yeah. That's sure. so good. Do you guys do anything now to like maintain your marriage? You guys like date, do you guys have yes. like certain rules or like you we, put away your the electronics? Or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> date night once a week has to be, you know, I really think that, you know, and we try to make some of them that are non just like dinner related, like activities. We just did, um, top golf that what is it yeah, top, is it called top, top golf. golf? Yep. We did top golf last week and just doing things that, you know, um, keep us connected. 
Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. Do you guys you know, have I, like a rule of like no business talk when you're on the date? Like how is well, that running yeah. business with your husband? Cause you're together we probably are a lot of time. Yeah. And I'm the, I'm the COO. So I kind of like get to boss him around at times, which he likes, but we, we do a car <laughs> drive every night. So my husband, we love cars and he's got a McLaren and, you know, big into sports cars. So every night our wind down is we leave just the two of us and we do like a 30 minute drive. The rules are no business. We need to be talking about like future goals and dreams, you know, and doesn't mean it always happens, but we do see that if we can keep business out of at least that. And then like once every couple months, we like to we want to do it once a month. And that's like the goal, but it's not happening yet. And that is to go stay at like a five-star hotel, yeah. specifically five-star so that you really are just high vibing and you just feel like really, really good. And you know what? Every time I come home from one of those like nights, I want to work harder. Like I'm like, I, you know, and it's just fun. We people walk. Pamper, you know, we just usually do like dinner. Yeah, stay down yeah. at like the W, and yep. just reminds me of why I work so hard, why I want to continue to work so hard. Um, you know, and um, and then we do a lot with our our exes. You know, we really involve everyone. I think that that just helps. You know, our family. What does co-parenting look like for you guys? Do you guys do birthday parties and stuff together, or? We are the crazy family that does everything together. Like we I do, that. I mean, we've done Disney vacation together. We love when people are like, that's your ex-husband <laughs> and that's your ex-wife. Um, yeah. we, we do. So Christmas is usually at our house just because we have the bigger house. And so Laura comes, she stayed this last year for a full month. Yeah. And, um, you know, my ex came for like a week and the kids like it because just like I'm sure they feel when my kids are all under one roof. Yeah. I just have so much peace. So I know for them, if we can all be together at Christmas, like, I don't want to take that away. I mean, the first time, you know, we went to Disney, I said to, you know, Eric's ex-wife, I said, I want you to be there because your daughter seeing a Disney princess for the first time is something that you as a mother, I want you to experience. I don't oh, want to take that away from you. Goosebumps. Yeah. That's and beautiful. so I think I've always just tried to show that, you know, to Laura that, I mean, I've said from the get go, you are her mom. Like I will be the bonus, but I will always like default to you. And I think that's just what's helped our relationship. And we've really just been, you know, kind of 50, 50 with the kids, you know, the whole time in terms of just an understanding, you know, it's been great. I love that so yeah, much, especially since you're kind of all over the United States. Is anybody left yeah. in Canada then? Well, my son, so my son, he's, it's all about girls. He's got a girlfriend that, <laughs> you know, he really loves and they, they live up there and we are always trying to convince him that she's Canadian. And so that's a little bit of a harder, unless they get married yeah. and, you know, I get a little triggered by young, I mean, he's 23, but I don't want, I want you to take your time. And even though I love her, I'm like, take your time. Yes, so you the don't rush your the life. wedding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then with homeschool now, I mean, this is why we decided to homeschool our kids was, you know, the flexibility where we already get our flexibility with our job. I hate that our kids are the ones that end up making us kind of be, Stationary. you know, and I, and I love the social aspect of school and I'm, you know, that was a really debate we had, but then when COVID hit and just everything happened, I'm like, this is the perfect timing. There's a lot of schools that have, you know, given a little extra layer to the homeschool parent. Cause I'm like, I can't be a homeschool teacher, but if I could pay for a facilitator along with me, yeah. you know, and that's I what we did. So it, it's I worked out it. for you. Yeah. And my, um, but my mom was like, you, she had, um, they had like, you know, people about them that they could go to and a lot of it's online and in books. But, and when I went back to public school, I was like two and a half grades above, you know, like you don't even recognize that you are, but I loved it. We did so much traveling and like, I still believe I'm like, I will take my kid out of school any day to take them anywhere. Cause and I think you're going to learn so much more yes. than you do sitting in a classroom. Like I, you know, we went to Washington DC and I'm like, how cool is it to see this in person instead of just reading about it in a book, you know? Right. And it just puts it so much into perspective. I loved it. I know. And, and schools these days are strict. I mean, I, my brother, I have a brother that lives in China and he got married in China years ago. And I wanted to take my kids and in the state of Virginia, more than five unexcused absences. He was in high school. He couldn't go. Yeah. And I thought, how crazy is this? I'm going yeah. to the Great Wall of China. Yeah. I'm going to some crazy, awesome spots that he'll never get to do. And 
not even give them the responsibility of just, hey, as long as you get the work done. No, it was like the attendance issue. So I was like, yeah, I'm not fond of this as my kids no. get older and I have flexibility. Why would I want them to have to be tied That's a down? money grant problem. Well, and they then don't... you're teaching your kids to lie because then you're going to be like, well, we'll just call you in sick at <laughs> yeah. this point. That's just it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and we so learned true. from holistic psychologists that is like a complete, <laughs> I've had to like apologize to my kids. I'm like, I am sorry. I ever lied that you were only, that you were actually like 12 when you were you yeah. know, <laughs> like so little. Like this, this is setting you up for thinking <laughs> right. you know I mean? because their little brain doesn't know. Okay. So it's okay to lie about certain things yeah. and not others. Right. right. So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So do you have any, like, if you can leave our listeners with like a piece of, I would say like an Amyism, right? Amyism. <laughs> Amyism. <laughs> I think, you know, mine is always like looking for silver linings because while we've laughed a lot today, I've been through a lot of hard, hard times. And I think what's kept me a survivor and like major thriver is in every situation, like even getting cancer and even it coming back several times and having it for nine years, I have to find silver linings in everything just for my own sanity. And it has really helped to allow me to be okay with struggle because that's the only place you grow. You were never going to grow unless it's challenged. And so now when I've had hard things come, I'm always like, what am I going to learn from this one? It doesn't mean I always like love it, but it's like taking everything you have and going, where's the silver lining? Okay. What am I going to learn from this? What is the benefit of this? What is, and that's really just helped me have a better perspective on life. Thank you for that. Thank you for coming on. You are so amazing. Like I follow you you and I'm just like, oh, she's, I just, I remember when she met you, I was like, oh my God, you're so annoying. I got like, Amy, this, Amy, that. And then I followed you and I was like, I get it. She's amazing. I was like, I want to be here when I grow up. Exactly. You guys are so drive a G wagon. So there's your girl. There's my manifestation vehicle. Oh, there. Hey, you know what? That was on my, so I had that on my vision board because I had, I have the baby G wagon, but now I have the four by four. And I had that four by four on my um, vision board for like two years. And people thought I was crazy. I'm like, it will be mine. Yeah. And now it is. So <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs> exactly. So um, I know we'll, we'll kind of post all this with um, this podcast, but how can people find you? Can you give some of your handles for social yes. medias? Social media, um, Instagram, I'm Amy underscore Ladine. Also on Facebook, I have an Amy Ladine page. My business, our business, we've got like 180,000 followers is Lean Bodies Consulting. On Facebook, we're all about, you know, we help women that are ages, they're going through the perimenopause, menopause, mm. and postmenopause. It's like what, what, what used to work for you to lose weight is no longer. Our audience has grown up with us. So that's like our area that we like to work in. I love to find the woman that is like, listen, this used to work for me. And, you know, so we're like 99.9% females. Although I do have a couple male clients, but that's where you can find me. And my podcast is called Effit, And it stands for faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. And I do two podcasts a week, just, you know, short ones. Typically I don't do a lot of interviews anymore just because I think that they just it was just everywhere. So now I'm all about little short 10 minute or less, like get you back on track. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.